Hey everybody, this is So Heidi, and you're listening to the Successful Fashion Designer Podcast. We all know that the fashion industry is brutally competitive and it takes loads of hard work to get ahead. The problem is that everyone's secretive and tight-lipped about their ways. After working as a designer and educator for over a decade, I wanted to help break down those barriers and bring you valuable knowledge from industry experts, and this show is exactly where you'll find that. Whether you're trying to break into the fashion world, make yourself more marketable, launch your own label, or become a successful freelancer, we'll help you get ahead in the cutthroat fashion industry. Welcome to another episode of the Successful Fashion Designer Podcast, and today I am talking to Aaron Wolf and Jessica Dixon. Aaron is a powerlifter who had an idea to start a clothing line for muscular men after he himself had a lot of trouble finding shirts that fit right, uh, particularly button-down dress shirts that fit right for men with large shoulders and smaller waists. And he ventured into a world he knew nothing about, fashion, and connected with Jessica Dixon, a freelance uh, designer. And together they have worked over the past good year and a half to launch Atlas Menswear. And what I love so much about their story and what I think you can get a lot of value from is all the tiny steps along the way that they spent a lot of time doing research, talking to the potential customer, understanding the market, uh, doing extensive fit and body analysis to make sure that their product was going to fit right. Uh, You're going to hear Aaron and Jessica's whole story all the way from the initial idea through their launch that, spoiler alert, did get disrupted because of this worldwide pandemic called COVID. And what he did to recover. And I love Aaron's attitude uh, on so many things within his brand and just in life in general, it seems. He doesn't dwell on the things that go wrong. Uh, When something goes wrong, okay, I accept it goes wrong. What can we do to fix it? You're going to hear that theme throughout the interview and so many other great stories and insights on how he and Jessica have kickstarted and launched Atlas Menswear, what they're doing to get their product out there and sell and continuing to grow and what the next chapter of their journey looks like. You guys are going to love this interview. I know it. Um, All right. As always, if you are checking out the podcast and you don't know anything more about Successful Fashion Designer, just a quick heads up that we are way more than a podcast. We have tons of free tutorials, uh, templates, eBooks, so many great resources on kickstarting your clothing line and fashion brand, freelancing or landing your dream job. And I would love to share all of those with you. The best way to do that is to hop on over to soheidi.com slash email. It's S-E-W-H-E-I-D-I.com slash email and sign up for all my best free resources. I will send them to you on a silver platter. Uh, I also hang out pretty regularly on Instagram and go ahead and give me a follow there and say, hi, I'd love to meet you. It is also at soheidi. All right. Of course, you can always scroll down to check Check out the show notes for any of the resources mentioned in this episode. And let's jump in to the interview with Aaron and Jessica. Welcome, Aaron and Jessica, to the Successful Fashion Designer Podcast. Can you guys please start out by introducing yourselves and letting us know who you are and what you do in the fashion industry? Hi, I am Aaron Wolf. Um, I own, uh, I'm the founder and owner of Atlas Menswear. It's a men's clothing company that specializes in clothing for uh, muscular and athletic men. And I am Jessica Dixon. I've been working with Aaron for a year as his head of product for Atlas Menswear. Um, Prior to working with Aaron, I have a 20-year background working in corporate apparel in all roles from design to product development to sourcing. So it's exciting to apply those in an entrepreneurial sense and work with somebody like Aaron. Amazing. So, um, Aaron, give us a little bit of background first on you. Like, where, where'd you come from? Or were you in fashion before? You know, what's your story before Alice Menswear? Um, well, I've done, I've done a lot of things in my life, but I, this is my first um, delving into uh, fashion, clothing, apparel, anything like that. Um, you know, going back to when I was younger, I, I was in the military, um, and then I uh, was in finance. I did, I, I, I had several different corporate jobs. Um, 
I worked as a, uh, a supervisor in a, uh, an inbound call center for a while. I was actually tech support for, for a while for um, like locks and safes and, and bank vaults and stuff like that. Um, and I was uh, a project management in my corporate life. Um, all these things are, are, I consider, pre-leaving the corporate world. Um, I, uh, I quit my job in 2014 and started in the, the world of, of entrepreneurship and um, have done several different things there too. Uh, but the, the, the main one that I have done since I quit my job is, is uh, construction. Um, so yeah, fashion is a, it's still a relatively new thing for me, but it's, it's fascinating. And the, and the people that I've met and the things that I've learned is, have just been um, just incredible. Yeah. And so how did you and Jessica connect? Well, um, that's a little bit of a story. So when I uh, decided to uh, start a, a, a fashion-based company, um, knowing that I had no experience in fashion, <laughs> I, knew I, I knew I needed to learn a lot first and then um, meet somebody that could, that could help me. Because the, the only time I've ever picked up a needle and thread is to fix my uniform in, in the military. So I, I, I don't know how to sew. I don't know how to you know, make shirts or you know, coming from the construction side, I say, build a shirt. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, so, um, when I decided to, to start this company, I, I just started doing research. I, I would Google articles. Um, I joined several Facebook groups that were helpful and I listened to podcasts. And, um, one of the, the, the podcasts that I that give the most credit to for, um, helping me get started is, is your podcast, Heidi. That's, that's why I, uh, you reached out and wanted to tell you my story. Um, I, uh, I remember several uh, episodes that I listened to that, that really applied to what I was doing. Um, there was one episode, and I, I, I don't remember which episode number or even the, the woman's name, but she told a story about her, um, her uh, tech designer or, or pattern maker kept a whole bunch of her fabrics that, that she had. And, um, you know, it was kind of a horror story on you know, some of the things that can happen in the, in the fashion world. And, um, I remember listening to a lot of these podcasts and at the end of the podcast, I would, I noticed that I had more questions than I had before the podcast, <laughs> which you know, that, that might sound bad, but that's actually a good thing because before I didn't even know the questions to ask. Uh -huh. So at least I knew, I knew what I didn't know. Yeah. And, um, you know, that, that got me uh, moving forward. So one episode in particular that I, um, remember uh, you had, uh, Jackie, uh, how do you say her last name? Ayers? Ayers, uh, yeah. From, yeah. from, from yeah. Dytology. Um, she's out of Columbus, which is about two hours away from me. Um, and some of the things she talked about, even though her, her uh, company didn't, isn't necessarily a one-for-one -one comparison for what I'm doing, but a lot of the philosophy and the, and the business uh, knowledge that she had really um, you know, struck a chord with me. Plus, she, wasn't, she didn't live too far away. So um, I contacted her on Instagram told her what I was trying to do, told her the, you know, the research that I had done up to that point and, and, um, what I, what I was looking for. And I said, do you have, do you know, anyone in the, in the fashion world that, that would be able to help me? And she said, I, I have, I have an idea. Let me get a hold of her and talk to her and, um, and I'll get back a hold of you. So, uh, a couple of days later she did, she messaged me back and said, and, and gave me, uh, Jessica's name said, um, you know, that she had worked in the corporate fashion world and, had uh, fairly recently uh, quit and and started her her own freelance consulting business and um, she introduced us and uh, I mean it was it was perfect you know Jess's knowledge and, and experience perfectly complements and and helps what you know what I'm trying to do. Yeah, I love these stories. How you, I it's really no, it's really cool um, to hear. You know, because I don't always hear what happens on the other side of the podcast, right? I mean, I'm literally, I'm like standing in my podcast studio right now, which is not fancy, you guys. It's like a closet in my basement that has some curtains up and <laughs> padding on the walls. It's like it's a little dungeony, um, but the audio quality is really good. And I, you know, I record these shows and it's really great. But then I, sometimes I think these really cool relationships and partnerships and connections and conversations happen on the other side. So I'm really excited to hear um, that that you know your guys's uh business relationship and partnership has come from the podcast and you know you took the action to reach out to to Jackie and and find that contact um to kickstart things so when was that where are we at in the timeline this is uh probably end of 2018 okay. um beginning of, of 2019 i okay. know i i 
first got the idea um, towards the second half of 2018, and that's when I just started my my preliminary research. So okay. in that time frame. And can you talk a little bit about the idea and like where it came from? Yeah. So um, I've since I was six years old, I've been in some sort of athletics. I started in taekwondo when I was six. Um, I wrestled in high school, and then as, when I got uh, done with those sports, or you know, not done, but done competing. Um, I started getting into into weightlifting, so I've always had some some sort of a athletic build. Um, not the biggest guy in the gym by any means, but I, I do have fairly broad shoulders and a narrow waist, so I, I could never find a a button up shirt that that fit right. Um, didn't understand why, but you know I would go into the stores at the mall and try shirts on, get them big enough to fit my shoulders, and then they would just be so sloppy around yeah. the waist that it, you know it, it wasn't even worth trying to trying to look nice. Yeah. So. Um, they, I got frustrated, started looking online for, for any businesses that specialize in that. I found a few, but nothing that really, really solved the problem. Um, but actually there were a few comical <laughs> shirts that I got. There, there was <laughs> one company, Jess knows what I'm talking about. I, I have pictures of it. One company that claimed to do a custom shirt. So you enter your, your measurements on the website and they send you a shirt, you know, quote, cut to your measurements. Well, mm-hmm. I don't know if you're uh, if you're a Seinfeld fan, but do you remember yeah. the the pirate shirt episode? The puffy shirt. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I totally it, know. <laughs> it looked exactly like that. It, oh it was no! Basically, they, they took a really really big shirt and cut it and altered it to to to, to try to fit my my measurements, and it just it looked it Pipe looked darts in the back. <laughs> oh my gosh! Yeah. yeah. So I. I started, uh, you know, talking to guys at the gym and, and seeing what, what they would wear for dress shirts. And really the answers I got were the same that, that I found you, they just, they either have to wear a a bad looking dress shirt for work or they just don't, you know, they, they wear hoodies and t-shirts and that's it. Sure. So I I thought there's there's a, a underserved market here. There's, I think there's a business opportunity. And, um, so then, yeah, I just, I just, you know, started in the research and, and that's, that's pretty much how I got started. Okay, cool. I love how, and and you said it so casually, and I think that it can be a, this casual, but that you you had the idea, you had the problem yourself, but then you took it a step further and you actually had conversations with other real people about this. And that customer research component, I think, is so crucial, but can also be really easily overlooked. Depending on your personality type, some people are not ones to, you know, randomly strike up conversations with people at the gym or, you know, wherever they may be with with other people who might have the same problem that they're looking to solve in fashion or honestly in any market. Um, so I love that you took it to the streets and sort of had some of those conversations. How did you find that, you know, engaging with your actual potential customer um, helped you in terms of, or just, I'll just, I'll just leave it there. How do you feel that that helped you? Uh, well, first of all, I, you know, I am one of my customers, you know, sure. I, I, I know what they, what they feel, the struggles they go through, um, and just what it, what it means to be, uh, you know, a regular at the gym or, or an athlete. Uh, so I, I came from the, that perspective, um, being able to relate with these guys. Um, I, I had a lot of, uh, uh, answers to my questions that were, that were very similar and things that, you know, the answers that I had already anticipated, mm-hmm. um, that they, they had the same struggles as me with trying to find clothes that fit. Um, and you know, it, it was, it, there were really no, no surprises as far as, okay. um, where, where my customers are mentally. Okay. Gotcha. So you really found just genuine alignment with where you were and where they were. Yeah, confirmation to my assumptions, really. Okay, okay. But it's still a valuable step, I think, to go through. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, okay, so you realized there was a problem. You realized that other people had this problem. And then what happened? Um, well, I, I had I had the, the feeling that there was a market there, but I didn't know how many guys really were out there that, that were like me. So I, I started, basically, I started writing a business plan. Um, I, uh, and... and you know, to backtrack, I, I don't have a degree or, or any real traditional training in business. This is just all kind of winging it. Okay. So, um, I, I didn't, I didn't really, I didn't really know I was writing a business plan at the time. I, I just started doing research. So I wanted to see how many, how many men out there would be potential customers of mine. Um, there's really no metrics that I have found, um, that say, that are, are re- related to men's body types. You know, yeah. you can't look up and see how many men have a V-shaped torso, yeah. or, you know? So, Not um, what common, I, 
Yeah. So what I did was um, I started looking at uh, CDC um, metrics and the one metric. Sorry, I found, CDC. Uh, Center for Disease Control. Ah, uh, okay. Uh, I knew that. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. <laughs> um, they have a, uh, a metric that says um, you know, the number of men that get the, the recommended um, amount of resistance or, or strength building exercise per week. Well, so I, I cross-referencing that with with census data on you know for population and everything, I got somewhat of a number, but the the CDC recommended amount for um, strength training is is two sessions of strength training per week, which is not necessarily going to give the body type that I'm looking you know to to serve. I imagine probably do, more than two a week. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. It, it would require more than that. So yeah. um, that's that's as far down as the the CDC numbers go. So I. I Basically, from there, I, I just had to do some uh, some extrapolation and some some guesses, and I, I I took basically I just chopped that number in half. The the number of people that or the number of men that the CDC says gets two bouts of exercise or strength building exercise per week, um, and then I I just assumed half of those guys are you know taking it beyond it to where you know what I'm looking for, mm-hmm. and so I came up with a, a number of uh, between eight to ten million men in the U.S. Mm-hmm. that that would that kind of fit in the, the market that I'm looking for. Okay. And so, I mean, it sounds like you, I mean, how long did it take you to do some of this business planning and research? Cause I think that it, you can, you can talk about it very quickly. Um, but sometimes it, it's not as quick to actually do it. No, it's, it's not quick <laughs> at all. And it's, it's something that, that, um, you know, sometimes I would just have to force myself to, to sit down and do it because it's not, it's not really fun. It's not exciting, yeah. but it's really, it's, it's very necessary. If you're, if you're looking to start throwing money at a business, yeah. you, you want to make sure that there's going to be people out there that, that could potentially buy what you're going to be selling. Right. So it, it, it was, it was months to, to do okay. that research and, okay. and figure it out. Yeah. Heidi, if I can chime in for yeah, a second. Of course. When, um, one of the joys of working with Aaron, and I think this comes from him being outside of our industry, is that he has a very practical and decisive approach. Mm-hmm. Um, I know a lot of you know brands or buyers or designers in our industry come from a very sort of conceptual or intellectual plan, and Aaron came from a like, there's a need, what's the solution? So even if he had to make decisions, like it would take him five minutes to think about something and then we could execute. Yeah. And that's been so refreshing compared to some of the other um, projects that I've gotten to be a part of. And everyone is different and unique, but I do think with Atlas, he keeps it very focused on, we always go back to the customer and then we always go back to like, what are the next steps to scale? Yeah. You know, one thing at a time. And I, I like to think very holistically and Aaron is very linear. One, two, three, four. Once we get that done, we move on to the next. Mm-hmm. So he's it's been very instrumental in making decisions. And it's given me time to reflect on like what was so wrong in some of those corporate companies or, you know, some of the bottlenecks or the clogs where it would take two weeks to decide on a color blue, you know, like he, <laughs> he can answer that in a yeah, yeah. text. Yeah. You know, he's yeah. like, I, I don't understand. I don't understand the query. It's this like next. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's funny that you bring that up because I think, I mean, I can definitely relate to, you know, the client who wants to tweak over which Pantone blue it should be. And at the end of the day, like, yes, color is important. And I think there's definitely some colors where if it's the wrong shade, it's not going to sell. But they put, they can put a lot of thought into overthought into that. And they don't focus so much on some of the other, the, I'm going to do little air quotes of like the not fun stuff, like doing the right. market research, doing the customer research, like that stuff. I think for some people can be really boring or really tedious. It's like, no, let's just get into design. Let's start making prototypes. Let's start making samples. Let's, you know, look at colors all day. And there's value in all that as well. But it sounds like, Aaron, you have really helped drive focusing on some of the core business fundamentals that at the end of the day are really going to determine the success of the business in conjunction with the fashion component, of course. Yeah, yeah, all that stuff is—it's not fun, like you said, but it, it is necessary. You know, in in business, sometimes it, there's a need to just go with a gut feeling. You know, yeah. Just just. Uh, but you don't want to do that if you don't have to. If you can yeah. verify your gut feeling, you should always always verify. Yes, I'm a big data nerd. I love numbers, and we do a lot of analytics behind the scenes at SFD. So I totally get it. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. 
Okay, so you you did the business plan. You figured, okay, there's maybe eight to ten million potential customers for this, and this yep. is you know you're spending months on this doing research. So you know I, people out there listening, I, I when you told us that it sounded very quick, like oh I just went up and googled the CDC and I found this number and I doubled it and boom there we go. <laughs> Let's do the business tomorrow. Um, but I, I just want to point out that there is patience and it does take time to dig through all the the data. So then. Then did you feel at that point, okay, I think we've got something substantial. Now we're ready to kickstart, and what do we do next? Um, well, yeah, let me uh, just go back to the, the business plan part. Okay. The, the market research is just, it's that's only part of it, too. I, I just wanted to hit on a couple other things that, that I did that I think are important you know, for somebody that is looking to start a business. Um, competitor research is is another real big thing. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I said that, that there really wasn't much out there um, in the way of, of, of dress clothes and, and nicer clothes for muscular men, there was, there is some out there, you know, and, and that was actually reassuring, um, because if, if there was no companies doing what yeah. I'm looking to do, then, then I would be thinking, okay, there, maybe there's just no need. Yeah. Uh, right. so the, the fact that there were a few other companies that, that are, um, you know, in the same market, that was reassuring, Yes. you know, because there's, there's, there's a need out there. So somebody's buying this stuff. Um, so I, I went through and listed, uh, I, I found as many companies that would be um, considered primary competitors and then also looked at uh, the secondary competitors, uh-huh. which would be, you know, the, the, the stores at the mall, like the Express and the, the H&M and, and stuff like that, that don't necessarily make um, clothes tailored for muscular men, but still those type of guys would, would shop there. Um, so I, you know, I came up with a, an exhaustive list of the competitors and then, you know, you get into how you're going to market. Is it going to be online? Is it going to be a brick and mortar store? Um, so yeah, all those things I, I went through and, and I did have some help from, uh, the, the SBA has a chapter not far from here. I, I had an advisor there that, that I ended up getting some help from it. And, and, uh, you know, that, that was, that was really indispensable too. Yeah. Small business um, association. I, I know we have that in the U S I'm sure, comp- um, in other countries, there's probably something similar. Um, yeah. I- Go ahead. And I think for the, the customer research, like, and it's not just a one touch, like we today, we still go back to some of the data that he pulled up and some of the points of view that we had um, and are constantly checking on those pulse points just to see like, okay, what has changed in the market? Mm-hmm. What's their trajectory? Because it's one thing to, you know, look online and get a little information. It's like, you need to follow the trend and and see what's happening to actually establish, um, you know, a curve and yeah. to get some wisdom out of that. Yeah. So it's it's not a one touch thing. It's something we still, you know, in our you know regular calls, we'll still go. Okay, what what did you see this or this or this doing, or what's the new innovation, or you know, is there maybe an opportunity that we would handle that a little differently? Yes, it's so true. Customer research and market research and even you know, never com- stops. competitor analysis, <laughs> it never stops, right? right. It's, you do constantly have to have your toe in that water. So um, can you talk a little bit about the competitor research more? So you researched the brands, and then I know you said you ordered that one custom shirt that fit like the puffy shirt, <laughs> um, which I still have a great visual of. Thank you for that. Um, but did you go through the process of ordering a bunch of other cost c- competitor samples and fitting them and seeing what are they doing right? What are they doing wrong? Like, where can we improve? Yeah. So on and so yeah. forth. Yeah, I, I did order uh, several other shirts. And, um, yeah, that, that was around the time right after I met Jess and, and we, we had started talking and, um, we exchanged some some pictures back and forth of, of me and, and the different <laughs> shirts, and some of them were were funny. Some of them were just ridiculous. There were a few that, that kind of got close, but nothing that I was ever ever happy with. Mm-hmm. And to be honest, if I would have you know, in the beginning, if I would have found a company that did um, something and that I was satisfied with, none of this would have probably happened. You know, I, I, I joked that I started this company so I could have a shirt that fit me. Yeah. You know? That's a very <laughs> so expensive I, way to get a fitting shirt, but yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, we did, um, you know, the, the test fitting of the competitor shirts and okay. looking at, looking at the, the fabrics that they used and the, the different types of construction and the, the altering. And, um, yeah, we, we really dove into that too. Okay. And what were some of the biggest challenges that you found with the competition that, that didn't meet your standards? They, they just, um, they, they just didn't fit right. Okay. Uh, you know, I, I, 
you know, the reason that I have Jess is, you know, she's more the technical. She knows the, you know, how the, the shirts are constructed. All yeah. I knew is, is you know, they just didn't feel right. They didn't, okay. they didn't fit right. They didn't perform the way that I, that I wanted them to. Yeah. And so and I, you yeah, know, go ahead. And some of the, some of the commercial aspects of, you know, fitting it's, there's a range of I'm really custom and I'm really bespoke to I'm more mass. And, you know, Aaron just had a few simple questions. He's like, why, you know, I know I don't have the figure of most people. I'm not trying to fit everybody. I'm trying to fit a certain athlete, a certain body type that I don't see anywhere out there. And we determined together that even though there's a huge market, you know, the way that the commercial process works, come on, most of the big brands copy each other yes. and they use the same block <laughs> yes. season after season and they just re-deliver it. And most people are content with, you know, off the rack clothing. And if you're an average size, that's great. If you're not, you just get so used to having ill-fitting clothing. Like a lot of people don't even know what a good fit is. Yeah. So it, it Aaron really opened up a lot of doors by, you know, not only did he order shirts, we went into a few, you know, places and, and actually tried on and talked to the salespeople and, you know, really viewed the whole experience, like front to back, like how are they promoting fabrics? How are they talking about fit? How are they, you know, really representing the brand? And I think all of those points together really gave him, you know, a, a foundation to say, all right, I can scale, I can make a difference in this market. And here's, here's where I can maybe use the smaller gorilla style to be successful yeah. where some of the bigger brands are just either too slow or too clogged up picking the right blue and yeah. they really miss the mark <laughs> with what the customer really wants. Yeah. I think that there's so much truth in that. They, um, I think that it, with those big brands, it's very easy to, for them to actually get disconnected from the customer. Yeah. 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 Oh yeah. It's their, their customers, their internal boss or their head merchant yes. or, you know, yeah. Or the sales and rep, Aaron, yeah. Yeah, Aaron just kept asking why, why, yeah. why. So it was that sort of like two-year-old curiosity that really drove yeah. us to like keep pushing for better and keep doing things differently for Atlas. So cool. So, yeah. um, okay, so then so then, what did you do? You you had some competitor samples. You're like, no one's really, no one's doing this right. There's still like a lot of opportunity to, to fill this niche. Yeah, so... Uh, Jess and I started working and, you know, one thing she said that the very first time that, that me and Jess met face to face, um, <laughs> she lives about, about two hours from me. We went on a shopping trip and it, that, that's, that's pretty much the way we spent the day. We, we went around to different stores. Um, I tried some things on, like she said, and, and listened to what the, the salesman said. And I would say, why doesn't it fit me here? And, and, you know, they would come up with, with some answer that, you know, that's probably in their script. And, um, <laughs> you know, that was, that was, you know, a, a lot of the research that we did too. Yeah. Um, so then, then we you know, started on the, the quest of, of building a shirt. And, um, what we did was we, we started going to gyms and, um, we set up, uh, in a, in a corner of a gym and just, uh, you know, started measuring guys while they were working out. And I, I made sure that, you know, I, I'm, when I'm at working out, I don't want to be bothered. Yeah. I, I'm there, I'm there to, to get my work out and, and get done. So yeah. I, I made sure that we were respectful of, of that. But, um, you know, I, we had, uh, what we have Gatorade and protein yeah. shakes <laughs> and stuff like that. Um, we, uh, just started getting data and we, we ended yeah. up with, with sheets of data, um, and use that to just start building prototypes, um, samples and, and seeing what worked and what didn't. And, uh, you know, just, just kind of went from there. That's so cool. I love like how behind, uh, not behind the computer you are, <laughs> um, on the, you know, you're like out in the real world talking. I, I, I've, I've talked about this with other guests, um, get out there and talk to the salespeople. Like they actually, you know, they might have their scripts and stuff, but they, um, you can sometimes get a really good one who knows a lot about the customer and they're like, oh yeah, you know, a lot of people complain it doesn't fit here, blah, blah, blah. Like whatever you can get out of them. Sometimes you can get some great stuff, but like go out there like boots on the ground and then setting up at the gym, that's phenomenal. And that is priceless yeah. information. Um, what did you say to the guys you were measuring? Were you, or did you have like a little sign or something? And you're like, Hey, we're measuring <laughs> for shirts. Like, okay. I, what, what did that look like? Cause I think some people could look at that and be like, that sounds great. But like, what do you actually say? This is weird. Yeah, well, we were just—I was just open and honest, and and had 
just just told him what we were doing um, and had really the same conversations with with those guys that I did in in the beginning with okay. with finding a you know shirt. I just told him, yeah, hey, uh, we're I'm research on, on starting a clothing company for for muscular guys and yeah, they were they were more than receptive you know at cool. first when we first set up um they were kind of looking over and like what are, what are those guys doing <laughs> over there in the corner there's something weird going on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. but as as the the word started to spread in the gym then you know i didn't have to go out and ask to you know, for a guy to come over and get measurements they were they just started coming over and talking and and everybody was was really interested and, and very supportive oh that is so cool um, Heidi, one, yeah. one thing I want to add, because you talk about this a lot in the networking and, uh-huh. you know, at the, at the end of a few of these gym trips, I, I really said to Aaron, I was like, wow, like you're really easy and natural at networking. And he kind of laughed. He was like, truth is I hate that aspect of it. But <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, he's like, I'm not an extrovert. I'm not, I'm just going to walk up and schmooze and shake your hand. I'm not a salesman. He's like, but obviously this is something he was genuinely connected to and passionate about. So it made it very natural and easy. You know, he was sharing something he was trying to create instead of, you know, coming from that used car salesman point of view. So that was really interesting for me to see. That's so true. And I think when you have that, when you're not in the, when you're in the mindset of like, I'm just so excited about this idea and I'm really passionate about it. And I really want to make something that helps me and these other people that have this problem, then it can come out very organically and very naturally. And it turns into, you know, networking can be such an intimidating word for a lot of people, but it really just, just turns into it's conversations and meeting yes. people. Yeah. Um, yeah. If you, if you approach it as, um, as, as networking, it, it, you know, it comes across as, as fake. And, yeah. and to me, I, I, you know, I hate being fake or I hate, you know, I hate selling. Yeah. Uh, but, but <laughs> this was, this was a lot more natural. This, this had a, you know, it had a, a purpose and this was just something that I, I really wanted to do and I wanted to share with these guys. And, um, you know, they were very receptive. So it, it, it made it really easy. So cool. Yeah. Okay. So we literally looked up and we're like, we're hours away, you know, like we've been here for four or five hours, you know, oh and, and didn't even realize we've talked to all these people. So it was definitely yeah. a good part of the process and so knowing cool. that commercial patterns are like done in Excel sheets. That's one thing Aaron was like, no, I need real bodies. Yeah. And for me, even though I'm within the industry, I am not from the athletic sort of bodybuilding world. So that was a new learning for me. And like, Hey, if we want these shirts to really be custom, then like you said, let's take it to the street and let's really engineer a new pattern off of, you know, some of the problems that we're seeing that aren't being addressed, aren't being paid attention to in the larger brands. So smart. So what did the data tell you? And then what did you do with it? Uh, we, it basically told us, um, you know, from the, from the, the smaller, leaner guy up to the, to the bigger power lifter type guy, um, we got just ratios and, you know, how the neck slants from, from when a, a guy's smaller up to when he you know, gets huge, uh-huh. um, you know, th- those angles and the proportions of the, the chest to the waist and how the arms, you know, just, just the shape. And, and actually when, we uh, we got our our information back into you know Jess's office and we were working on things. We we actually had anatomy books out uh, to yes. look up the, <laughs> the, 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 how you know the muscular stru- structure and and you know the the origin insertions of the the different muscles and um, yeah we just we we really dove dove deep into it and um, you know just use that to to start building the 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 shirt. Aaron, I think one thing to point out, and we didn't even realize this until we got into the process, but this was me sort of busting my known stereotypes of like, well, sleeves are always done this way. Bodies are always done this way. Collars are always done this way. Um, Aaron and I were looking at, you know, a bicep, a tricep, the whole lats, the whole architecture of a very muscular arm. And he just looked at me and why, why are sleeves done in just a tube? And then, you know, I just said, well, that's kind of always how they've been done in men's tailored and men's commercial. So let's make ours different. And he took that as an innovative moment to actually, you know, engineer some shape into the flat pattern along with high tech fabric that will really stretch and fit and conform to a body. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if if, um, anyone actually saw the patterns of his shirts the arms look like it's got three biceps built in, but once you get them on, it, it really gives such a clean fit that we just weren't seeing in the market. That's so cool. I love how yeah. dialed in you guys really focused on 
um, I mean, if you're to me, it's like if you're gonna do it, do it. So like, don't do eighty yeah. percent. You know, you yeah. guys really went and did the last twenty percent that I think most people don't do. But that's at the end of the day, like what can make a different make the difference in whether the product actually fits, which is gonna make the difference of whether it succeeds. Yeah, I mean, yeah, down to point. things like button spacing, you know, he questioned everything yeah. and things that I never, I never even thought to question. And I was like, you're right. That's a great idea. Let's go for it. Yeah. So it, development was fun and it was fun to test some things. We definitely had some hiccups and some challenges, but we were able to get through them really quickly. And I think working with the right supply chain partners is key to, to really solving any development or production issues. So yeah. we were that's, that's fortunate in that way. That's where it really helped it as well. But with her contacts that she had from, you know, for her corporate world, um, we, we ended up getting, uh, start, starting to work with a, a really great team, um, uh, you know, tech yeah. team and design team. And, and, uh, that, that really, that really helped. Yeah. That's amazing. I was going to ask where did you find some of these partners? I figured it, it came through justice channels. Um, We'll get back to this episode in 20 seconds, but real quick, did you know that the SFD podcast is sponsored by you? We don't interrupt your listening experience with ads and instead rely on your support. There are three ways you can do that. One, tell a friend about the podcast. Two, sign up for the email list at soheidi.com slash email. That's S-E-W-H-E-I-D-I dot com slash email. Three, write a review on Apple Podcasts. Thanks so much for supporting the SFD podcast. Now back to the episode. Yeah. So what, what did that process look like? Did you, for as far as like initially developing the pattern and then getting some prototypes made and doing fit tests and stuff, can you talk a little bit more about that process? Yeah. Um, when we, when we had a, our first, um, initial pattern, um, we knew that there were going to be some, some alterations and some changes before we would actually go into production. So we, we did want some samples done, uh, just had a, a few contacts in Sri Lanka, um, and so we started working with the team in Sri Lanka. It started out really well, but the one of the main contacts in that team ended up getting a a, a different position and wasn't quite as available as as um, as he was in the beginning. So we ended up having to move to a different team, which um, actually worked out really well uh, in Bangladesh. Um, there's they you know they have a there's a you know, tech designer and, and I'm trying to think of all the 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 technical names of the the titles that they have like, yeah, a <laughs> yeah, tech designer room, pattern fabric, maker yeah. yeah um so we we just started you know, we just sent the the tech pack to them and they they made a, a sample sent it back and and we did some some test fit sessions they, it was made in my size so uh me and jess would get together and try on the sample and and she'd do some pinning and some cutting and and uh you know i'd say uh, you know, I'd move my arms around and, and twist around and say, oh, that doesn't feel right right here. And it needs to do this here. And, and so she would she would make her notes and then we'd send the information back and, and we'd get the next sample. And it kind of went back and forth. And, um, yeah, it was it was that that was a really interesting part of it, too, because I could see, you know, if, if I if I had extra material, extra material in a place or not enough material, if I you know move my arms up or something, um, you just would make a cut and and you know, to start pinning and, and adding material or you're taking it away and, and yeah. marking on it with a marker. And it was, that was, that was really fun. Yeah. And how did you find the fabric? Um, that, that's a, I'm, I'm sure I would <laughs> miss, miss a lot of, a lot of details in that. Um, <laughs> but it, we, we went through a lot of different fabrics too. A lot of, a lot of fabric samples. One, one story in particular, um, I remember we were coming up close to, um, we, in the beginning, I didn't have any deadline on when we needed to go in production, but it, <laughs> uh, as it turns out, we, I ended up having a deadline and, and, you know, I, I can explain that in a little bit, Yeah. but so, um, we, we needed to get some material to, to, to decide on a material really quickly so we could, um, meet our production deadline. So we ended up, um, really kind of foggy on the details of how this actually happened, but we, we bought some material based on, um, a, a, a fabric header. And when we got, when we got a sample in the shirt, um, the, the fabric stretched And One of the things that I did, I knew that I want, wanted was, um, you know, the fabric had to, had to move and it had to, had to stretch. Yeah. 
well, this this fabric did stretch, but it was a, a nylon-based fabric, and it it was so noisy when you moved. <laughs> oh, just swishing, just imagine like swishy pants, but on on as a shirt. Uh, so I, I said, "Oh boy, I cannot, I cannot make a shirt like this." And we have all this material. Yeah. Well, luckily the um, uh, her name uh, CRU the close close RS is the um, what is it? Just the our production partner. Yeah. Yeah. In, in Bangladesh, she she really helped. Um, she ended up um, doing something else with that fabric, so I didn't have to you know buy it and just and throw it away basically. Yeah. Um, so she she resourced it. I guess would be the would be the term. Okay. Yeah, uh, she ended up reselling it. But Heidi, you know, we we started when Aaron was questioning everything. We were looking at all these competitors, and he's like, they only stretch across the body. Why don't these stretch? lengthwise oh, as well as it was only two-way stretch oh yeah exactly oh. so he wanted a four-way four which you know gave gave us an extra challenge yeah. because i'm like i know this is possible but yeah not a lot of commercial brands do this it's yeah. more expensive it's difficult to engineer difficult fabric to work with yeah so our partner on the ground what i had told her and this is where communication becomes so important is i'm looking for a technical fabric with four-way stretch and I omitted, and it needs to be cotton-based, right? Yeah, and yeah. so she's like, hey, I found a nylon with elastane. And, you know, when <laughs> she sent us the shirt and it sounded like a glad trash bag, <laughs> quickly realized this is the wrong technical and yeah. kind of laughed over it. But this is where having the right partner, you know, she saved us thousands of dollars because she was like, no problem. I can turn around and I'll sell this to someone who does rainwear or, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know what I mean? Versus, yeah. you know, Aaron, Aaron having that overhead on his budget. And something else I'll talk about is in the sample cycle, I think we only had three fits from the very first muslin all the way up until his PP sample. Wow. We did three. Yes, we were very, very lean and very tight. Once we had the right fabric, we did two fit corrections. And, you know, I think all the research we did up front and building that strategy really helped with lowering the overhead. Yeah, yeah I think um, it, the, the last one was a, it was a correct and proceed, right? We yes. We did a correction yes. and, and <laughs> change this and, and go into production. Yeah, exactly. So I want to, so, sorry, go ahead. No, and no, I was just going to say, I think that that's something that we all talk about in the, the development cycle is keeping the budget very reasonable, because if you're not paying with time, you're paying with money. Yeah, and for sure. if you get samples done here in the States, you know, depending on the sample room pattern maker and supplies, you're looking at, you know, maybe 200 to $250 per piece. Yes. Whereas our partners overseas were giving us the samples at a much lower price, but we have to wait for the transit time mm -hmm. from Bangladesh. Mm -hmm. and. There's a whole other story of Aaron and I actually tracking down a missing package that was delivered to the wrong side of Columbus. So, <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh my yeah. gosh! Well, I, I forgot about that too. We, we've <laughs> we've had some adventures. A lot of, a lot of good stories. Yeah. yeah. I want to just clarify a couple things for um, listeners out there who uh, are a little newer to the industry and might not know some of the terminology. Um, so, Aaron, you mentioned you bought the fabric off of a header card. So, I, I'm assuming this is your eight by eight, roughly eight by eight inch swatch of fabric that has like a cardboard thing stapled at the top, and it's just a yep. swatch. And you look at that and you're like, "Yeah, this is a great fabric." But then sometimes what happens is when it comes in the full garment, you discover things that you don't notice in an eight by eight swatch. So that's your header card, and that's often how you look at and source fabric is just off of a small swatch. But there's yeah. always things to be mindful of, of like, well, is it going to be noise? Like once it's actually put into the actual garment, what, how is that going to change from made by flat swatch? Yeah. And that, you know, there, there are a lot of differences and I didn't realize that up front, you know, you, you, you feel it with your hands and you kind of pull it and stretch it and say, oh yeah, that'll, that'll make a good shirt. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of, a lot of things that, that when you, when you put them in a shirt, it's it doesn't feel and it doesn't perform like you think it's going to just by the yeah. by the, the fabric header. Yeah, and then the other one, um, two other little ones I want to clarify, just because I know I, I I I'll put a disclaimer out there. I was listening to a podcast the other day, and they were talking about acting and stuff. And I don't know a lot about acting and like terminology. And they were using all these like mm. industry terms. I was like, what does that mean? What does that mean? So I always try to clarify for the listener out there who might not know um, some of these terms. Uh, Jess, you mentioned PP samples. So from muslin to yeah. PP samples. So your PP samples pre-production and it's the, like the last one before you go into production and you say, okay, make all of them. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Cut the purchase order. Yeah. Cut so the muslin, one prototype, PP sample, and you were off and running. That's it. 
Yes. Wow. <laughs> yeah. But you got a very condensed timeline. Aaron, Aaron surprised me on one day, but it was, it was a good push and it was a good challenge. Like if normally production can take six months. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's a small run of planning your raw materials, fabric buttons, labels, yeah. all the way down to, you know, getting the export. Are we boating this? Are we airing this? Yes. All of that stuff. Um, and Aaron called me in October and he was like, Hey, I think I want to do the Arnold, which was in March. <laughs> oh, yeah. is this a big for, show? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. For yes, people that, that don't yes. know that it's, it's the Arnold, um, sports and fitness expo. It's, it's in Columbus, Ohio. It's one of the, the biggest sporting events. It, it actually has more athletes than, than the Olympics. Wow. Um, and it's, you know, it's, it's, it's sporting competitions and a, uh, an expo. So there's, there's, um, supplement companies that have booths there, uh, weight companies, but companies that make, uh, um, you know, gym attire, there's, sure. there's hundreds and hundreds of, of exhibits. And, and I decided that that's where I wanted to launch the company. Um, that was going to be my, my official launch. Okay. So, so it's that's, November- where the, that's where the deadline came in. Okay. So it's November and you are on your muslin or your, which sample are you on in November? We're about first fit in first November. Fit. Okay. Think, yeah. yeah. We, Aaron had his fabric picked out. We still had a few fit corrections to make. We were getting in all the details, like the hang tags and the lab dips and, okay. you know, all of those extras that come in. But I'm looking, thinking, you know, production timeline-wise. Yeah. I'm like, well, it's, it is Christmas time, which means it's peak. Yeah. And then after January comes Chinese, Chinese New Year. Chinese New Year which, and overseas right, kind of shuts you, down for a while. Yeah. And yeah. even if you weren't working in China, most of the fabric came out of Asia. Yes. You know, the high tech sources that Aaron was using, yeah. you know, aren't common. So we we quickly put together a plan and, and rallied the team and just built a very aggressive schedule and point by point, like everything lined up. Like oh, in, in all reality, looking backwards, we probably shouldn't have made it, but we did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I like to say that you not ever having done this before, no, not being a, an insider, I was too dumb to know how almost impossible it was. <laughs> if, I, if I would have known, I would have said, well, this year's Arnold it just isn't going to happen. We'll just have to go next right. year. But I, I just, right. I didn't know that that was, that was a ridiculous yeah. short timeline. Yeah. I um, think, you know, a, a few things lined up and within a, a few weeks at, you know, at the end of January, the shirts were cutting and beginning of February, Aaron had a crate of boxes delivered to his house. Oh, you, amazing. <laughs> so can I, uh, a couple things. One, one, I was dying. As soon as you said that Arnold was in March, I was like, oh God, I hope it was right before COVID, before lockdown. It was. Well, oh my gosh. yeah, that that's, you know, a part of the story too. <laughs> I launched my company at the same month that the world started shutting down. Yeah. And, um, you know, just fast forward to that time. Yeah. I, it, Columbus is about two hours from my house. So I had all these boxes of, of shirts, the inventory that I ordered. Um, I had things that I had, had built like a, a stand for my a flat screen TV that was going to be in the back of the, the booth. Um, I had a, a bunch of stuff to haul down. I rented an SUV and it was going to take two trips in the SUV and I hauled everything down and, and got ready. And what was it? The day before Jess, they announced that it was canceled two days before. Yeah. Yeah they, yeah. they canceled the whole event. So that the was, Arnold show got canceled. It got canceled. Yes. Yeah. Oh yes. my gosh. <gasps> <laughs> yeah. Oh. So that was, that was, uh, you know, and up to that point, everything was going so well. There were yeah. very few hiccups and, and everything was just, you know, it felt like we had such momentum and oh. I was you know, so excited. And then to have that event canceled, you know, it was such a buildup in my mind of, yeah. you know, that there's, they, they, they claim that over the, the three day weekend, there's 200,000 people that go through that convention center for the mm-hmm. expo. What and, a launch know, that, that would have been. Oh yeah. That's the biggest gathering of my target market in the world really. Yeah. Um, so I was, you know, I was so excited and, and, um, you know, the, the atmosphere was just, you know, incredible. And then when they announced the, the cancellation, oh. it was just like the rug was just pulled out from under my feet. Yeah. It was, it was a huge blow, but I think it's, it's a lesson in recovery and pivoting too. And, and just this last year in 2020, we have seen so many established brands lose their ground, lose mm-hmm. their traction. Mm-hmm. And it's companies like Atlas, like Aaron, you know, the leaders that are really like 
being able to pivot and go, okay, so I can't do this. What can I do? Because yeah, I think he was out for about an hour and then he turned around and said, all right, so what can I do instead? You an know, I'm hour, focus. that's so fast. I <laughs> have to turn it around. Yeah. It's personal investment. It's yeah. his time. It's his money. It's his family. You know what I mean? So I think like there, there were huge motivating factors. And I think that's something to remember. Like, even if you love what you're doing, there are going to be unforeseen factors that are things out of your control and you can only control your reaction to it. So he was really quick to rebound and say, well, you know, that sucks. Can't do that. Um, I'm going to work on, you know, getting a new plan together. Let's get a photo shoot. Let's promote online instead. Let's start going to some local gyms. Let's start, you know, and we just sort of strategized, okay, what can we do instead of dwelling in that puddle. I <laughs> love yeah, that. I had about a 30 minute window that I, I had to Didn't breathe. <laughs> um, yeah. But then, you know, I thought, well, this isn't going to serve me. What, what can I do now? And yeah. just had to had turned around as, as quickly as possible. And then, yeah, that's, that's what we did. We, we, we strategized and figured out a, a way to move forward from there. Okay. So you, so, so up until now you have the product. Can I ask how much product you ordered for this first run? Ordered four four hundred shirts total. Total yep. across different sizes and a couple colors, or uh, yeah, we had um, like three uh, different Aaron and then yeah, like seven sizes, colors. I think. Yeah, yeah, from small all the way up to quad, quadruple extra large. Okay. So yeah, yeah for the, the big bodybuilders. And would you say three colors? Yeah, white, uh, black, and uh, blue. I hope you picked the right Pantone. Man, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> on that blue, <laughs> no pressure. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, I'm sure it's a great blue. Okay, so you have 400 units, and your event gets canceled. And I mean, which I am really bummed because I was really anxious to hear how it went. And I was like, oh gosh, you probably sold out. But um, you said, okay, let's do photos and go online. So what did that next process actually look like of scrambling to get pictures and launching e-commerce? Yeah, then I had to figure out how to, you know, put together photo shoots and market online, uh, which is you know, something I knew I was going to have to do. But you know, with the Arnold, I, you know, like you said, I could have, you likely would have sold out or sold a, a huge amount of my my inventory. Yeah. Then I would I would add money to, you know, put it back into new product and marketing. Yeah. Um, so yeah, just uh, putting together photo shoots, um, used a, a few different photographers, figured out what what type of photographer I like, what ty- type of photographer isn't necessarily for what I'm doing. Um, and yeah, just, just working on the, the, the website, um, which is something that I, I really didn't have experience doing either. And, and, uh, uh, used a Shopify website and just, just kind of built it myself and figured out you, know, the apps that work for me from, you know, size charts to, uh, you know, you know all, all the different options for, for a website. Um, yeah, and I've just spent time doing that, and uh, had some help here and there. Um, and Jess is, you know, she's her forte is, is fashion, but she's been uh, a help in, in everything. She's been um, indispensable uh, as far as you know, helping and anywhere that I that I would need help. She's she's been right there, so she's been great. Even even when he doesn't ask Heidi, I'm there to help. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. You guys sound like you have an amazing partnership. That's so cool that you were able to connect and do this together. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. The, the areas that, that I lack in, she, she makes up for in the, the areas that she's not, you know, real comfortable in, um, I'm stronger in. So it's, it's been a, a real good partnership. Yeah. So, um, a couple, I do have a couple more specific questions. So, okay. So you figured out, you found the photographer, you found some guys to model, um, you've, you know, figured out the Shopify thing, which luckily in today's day and age is not too hard, right? I mean, I don't want to discount the effort that goes into it, but it's fairly plug and play compared to what it was, you know, 10, 15 years ago. Um, so you get that set up. Then how, what did you do to actually like start promoting and getting people to the website? Because you don't just put the site up and then poof, things start happening. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Um, yeah, just, I mean, really just, um, it's been very organic. I haven't really run any paid ads, which I'm, I'm actually going to start doing that here, um, in, in November, doing some paid Facebook and Instagram ads, but it's just been interacting with, with accounts online. Um, when the, when the Arnold got canceled, since it was only two days before the event, you know, people come from all around the world to, you know, to go to the Arnold in, yeah. in Columbus, whether they're competing in a bodybuilding competition or just to be there and see it. Yeah. So everybody, th- there were a lot of people already there for the Arnold. Right. So 
um, I use that opportunity to just walk around the downtown Columbus, right, right around the convention center and just meet people, just start talking to people, which, you know, as we said earlier, is not really in my wheelhouse. I'm yeah. not a, I'm not a extrovert type of person, but again, it was, it was natural. It, it was, you know, I really was interested in, in meeting these people, ended up meeting, um, a few, uh, bodybuilders that, that really liked what I was doing, uh, like my story. And, um, you know, they've become, uh, you know, I guess affiliates is, is the, the right word to use. Um, you know, they, they put stuff out on, on their Instagrams about you know, the, the shirts and, and how well they fit. Um, so the, the support that I've gotten there has been really good. Um, you know, just the, the, the people that I've met and, um, yeah, just, just kind of just organic growth. Um, you know, the, the sales that I, I have, you know, I'm, I'm still in my infancy. I, I'm not, not even a year uh, you know, after my, my launch. So this, this company is, is just barely getting off the ground yeah. compared to how I see it. And, and you know, five years from now, um, so yeah, just just still maneuvering and and figuring out different different ways to promote. Yeah, and can I ask how have you funded all of this? Um, yeah, different ways. Um, before I did this, one of the things that I did was I, I have some rental properties, um, not a mogul or anything, but I, I have a few rental properties. And in in being in that world, I had come across um, several investors that that are, that are you know have some some. Uh, extra cash that they, that they lend to people for, for buying rental properties and, and other businesses. Um, so I, I did borrow some money and then recently, um, I did sell a rental property for you know, money to put into, uh, some online marketing, okay. some, you know, some paid ads. So, um, yeah, the, the, just, just different ways like that. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. I appreciate that. Cause I think it's easy to listen to this and just be like, Oh, you must've just had some big pocket of cash and uh, <laughs> yeah, you, everyone yeah. has to figure out where to get the funds. Um, so it's always yeah. good to kind of hear, you know, how, how you're kickstarting the brand. Um, Heidi, yeah, I can pause there for just a second. I think an important part of being a support to Aaron on the, the product wing, whether it's research, design, development, production, you know, touching samples and fabric, all of that is so expensive. So it's at any point in time that we could consolidate or we could use a sample for two or three purposes, we did mm-hmm. that. So we were very creative also with the budget and I think did a month over month, you know, so that it's it's very similar, you know, you get paid and then the bills have to go out. It wasn't an upfront thing with Aaron and I where it's like, all right, you're going to need I'm making it up $15,000 to even start this line. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he, he started with something much more reasonable until he had validation. Like, you know what? I, I can fund this myself. I can do this. Now it's time to go out and ask for, you know, a, a larger endorsement to really keep this going. Yeah. Very, very smart. Uh, yeah. No, it really sounds like you guys have put the time and the legwork in on a lot of not even just the foundational steps, but each of the steps along the way, um, which are is sometimes like I know I know people out there who just have this exciting dream of I want this big fashion brand. <laughs> it's so easy to want to skip over all those steps and just get to the thing, right? But yes. you can't just go straight to the thing. It's not going to work. Um, I think you have to spend the time in the weeds digging through all the little yes. steps like you guys have done, um, whether that's you know measuring people at gyms and going out and then having the conversations and then thinking, oh, my gosh, I have boxes of 400 shirts. What do I do? This event just got canceled. <laughs> well, hey, these people are still here. Like, Let me just go talk to them. Um, and that might not have been how you wanted to spend, or maybe you did because you're still so excited about your product that you want to get out there. I know for some people that would like make them maybe want to throw up. Like I have to just go approach people like walking around downtown and be like, Hey, Hey buddy, what's up? Um, but those are the things you have to do to really make this work. Well, I, I want to share something too that Aaron did, which I don't know that he would think to bring up, but I think it's important when it comes to balance because you hear about a lot of people like, I, I have a job, I have a family. I Like he had yeah. all of those things. Yeah. He, he has, you know, four daughters and a wife wow. and like they, they were also involved and engaged with this and supporting him while he was doing the work. And Aaron, you took one of your girls with you as walking around downtown, right? Yeah. And you were... It's yep. like, come on, let's do this. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone's yeah. hands, all hands on deck. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's my, my, uh, uh, at the time she was 12, she's 13 now. 
Um, and you, of course, dad embarrasses, you know, yeah. daughter. And whenever I would stop to talk to someone, she would just kind of keep walking and look back <laughs> into her eyes. Dad, you're embarrassing uh. me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love these stories. It's so, it's they're so real. I mean, you can't make this stuff up. Um, and that's yeah. the important part, right? Like you've got Errol eight months, and we've you know there's other other parts of life happening at the same time. Yeah. So it should give hope to that person who's like, I just don't see a way beyond this. It's like where there's a will, there is a way. There is. Yeah, it's very true. No, and I love. I mean, you guys have been so candid and transparent, and um, I really appreciate you know, getting the opportunity to chat with you guys and, and all the other guests who share their stories and the behind the scenes because it's not easy and things get messed up and take longer or you set unrealistic deadlines that you don't know are unrealistic and then somehow figure out a way to get through them. And it's <laughs> it's cool to hear these stories. It's really fun. Um, I'm so excited for you guys, Aaron and Jessica. Um, what is next? I mean, it's so just to be transparent, because I, I know I told you at the beginning that interview is going to air in March 2021. It is actually yeah. Halloween, October 31st, um, 2020, that we're doing this interview. Um, so there's a little bit of time, but what's coming up next? What do you, you said you're, you're going to do some um, online ads, and is that a strategy sort of for like holiday sales, or what are some of your thoughts around uh, around that? Yeah, with the holidays coming up, that is definitely an opportunity that I, I want to take advantage of with the, the online ads. Um, as far as looking a little bit into the future, um, you know, when we do photo shoots, we, I, I just have shirts right now, and you guys are wearing pants from from other brands in the in the photo shoots. Well, I I didn't, you know, I just have a, a mental thing with that. So we're uh, we're gonna um, get into doing some pants, uh, some some athletic stretch jeans. Yeah, um, launching wanna, denim. So exciting. Yeah. So cool. Um, and yeah, I, I won't get in too much into the details yet, but we're approaching the jeans the same the same as the shirts. Um, you know, from questioning why is a pant leg a tube when legs aren't <laughs> shaped like, like tubes. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, the, the muscular guys have, have bigger quads, you know, their, their upper legs, but their waists are, are still fairly thin. So, you know, they, they end up having to buy big pants that they have to cinch up a belt to get them to fit. So we're, yeah, we're really looking into all that stuff. So I'm really excited about when we launch those, um, you know, getting some, some, uh, different colors and patterns of shirts and just, just expanding the product line. I love that. I love it. Well, it has been really fun to chat with you and thank you so much for sharing your story. I know that there's a lot of really valuable lessons in here that everyone can, um, use and apply to their, their journeys. So I appreciate your time. Um, where can everyone connect with you and find you online? Uh, the website is atlasmenswear.com and Instagram is atlas underscore underscore menswear. There's two underscores. Don't ask me why. (laughs) Um, and then the the Facebook page is, uh, atlas menswear. Okay. Awesome. And we'll link to all that in the show notes. And I'd love to ask you, um, both of you, uh, the same question we ask at the end of every show. And that is what is one thing people never ask you about working in fashion that you wish they would? Uh, yeah. Um, I knew we were going to ask that, and I, I thought a little <laughs> bit about it. Um, you know, people ask me a lot of questions, so there's there's very few that that I wish they would ask that that I haven't been asked. But the one is, um, you know, what similarities are there between um, you know what you've done and what what you you're doing with the in the fashion world? Ah. And it turns out there's there's a lot, so uh, much. Yeah, yeah. Share so some. like and and sports, um, you know, working out, you know, when you first start, uh, we'll say, you know, lifting weights, uh, when you first start in the gym, you have very little knowledge. You're, you're, you're going to fumble around and stumble and maybe even hurt yourself. Um, uh, but as you do it more and more, and if, as, you know, if you don't quit, you take, you, know, you take the injuries and work past them. And eventually you're going to start building muscle and building knowledge on how to, you know, how to grow. And, and eventually you're, you're, you're going to build muscle and, and become a, you know, an expert in the gym. It's, it's the same, same thing with, with this, you know, I fumbled around, um, had no experience, no knowledge, but you know, I you fell down a few times and, and got back up and kept moving forward. And, um, yeah, I'm, you know, like I said, it's still a, a new company, but I, I see that same, that same arc forming. And, and yeah, I know that, that someday, you know, it, you know it, it's, it's going to be the same type of thing. Yeah. So cool. I think Heidi, for, for me, it's always to keep, you know, your purpose and your perspective in mind. You know, I, I love fashion as art and as a creative outlet, but it's a business. 
Um, I'm, I'm on the very sort of practical side of things. <laughs> I like executing, I like yeah. selling, I like scaling. I like, so even, even on the days when, you know, you have your doubts or things are getting a little rough, it's like my, my worst day freelancing is still better than my best day at corporate. So <sighs> I, I appreciate all the opportunities and, and working with Aaron has just been another amazing project. Yeah. So, so cool, you guys. I love both of those answers. And it's always exciting to have people who are like, oh, yeah, I've heard that question a ton of times and I really thought through it. So I appreciate your little <laughs> thought out answers. Um, I do surprise a lot of people. They're like, uh, well, I knew uh, this was coming. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, so cool. Well, you guys, this has been amazing. And again, thank you for sharing your story and everything that you're up to. And I'm really excited to hear how the, the journey continues and, you know, we'll have to bring you back on the show, um, in a future date to get some updates and, and see all the progress you've made. So thank you so much. Yeah, I would love to. Yeah, thank you, Heidi. That's fantastic, Heidi. And thank you. It's by way of you, actually, that, you know, Aaron and I are connected. So, Thank you. Yeah, yeah, so cool. yeah, I have to thank you again because, like I said, your your podcast is really where I, I got my start to you know to be able to be where I'm at now. So thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Successful Fashion Designer Podcast. And a big shout out and thank you to my husband, Mark, who handles all of the tech and editing behind the scenes, as well as my right-hand gal, Tara, who is priceless in making sure that this podcast gets published and out to your ears and all of the coordinating of the guests and everything that goes into a podcast. I think people, it's very easy to underestimate what goes into a podcast. It's a lot of moving pieces and parts and components. And I'm very grateful to have a team behind me that supports me and helps make this show possible for you guys. So thank you to Tara and Mark. And always as a quick reminder, if you want to check out more resources from Successful Fashion Designer, you can do that by heading over to SoHeidi.com slash email. It's S-E-W-H-E-I-D-I.com slash email. I give away tons of other free content to help you get ahead in fashion. So go check that out. I'm also on Instagram at SoHeidi as well. So go over there and say hi. And if you enjoyed this episode of the podcast, a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts goes so far. I really, really appreciate it. You can take 30 seconds to do that right now. It means the world to me. Thank you so much if you've already done that. I really appreciate it. Uh, You can scroll down to check out the show notes wherever you're listening. Thanks again, and I will talk to you in the next episode of the Successful Fashion Designer Podcast.